episode 30 of the Glass of Joe podcast. PJ Glasser is here. I'm Joe Malfoy. We're getting right down to business this time because I got dental surgery yesterday, so I shouldn't be talking a lot, and I have a lot to say, which is why later on in the podcast, it's only PJ with our guest, Tim Murray, and the Jets won a game this week. So let me just get this right off my chest. PJ, <laughs> look at the clock. Do not let me go past four minutes because I could go all day on this. Sounds good. <laughs> so, so let's start off. Anybody watching on YouTube, I'm sorry if you see my lip like pop up and you see like my bloody tooth. Sorry about that. Listen to this on, on Apple or something instead this week. Um, <laughs> all right, down to business. The game itself, first of all, that had to have been, as far back as I can remember, the craziest upset in the NFL just because of all the things, all the components of it. The Rams were being talked about as the most complete team in the NFC. I called them that last week. I still believe it. I think they just laid an egg. Um, the Jets were on their way to a winless season. It was a 17-and-a-half-point spread. It was the number 32 offense who was averaging 14 points a game against the number one defense. The Jets are horrible. They, on average, allow 30 points a game and score 14. Everything about that was wild. You go back to last season, I think it was, or maybe two years ago, the Bills upset the Vikings on the road with the same 17-and-a-half points. But that was like week three, Josh Allen early in his rookie year. You didn't know a ton about either team. To have a spread like that this late in the season and the situation the way it was, and for the Jets to come out and dominate the way they did, my mind was blown, absolutely blown. Now, as far as the implications going forward, it's a good thing we're recording this on Wednesday instead of Sunday because if it was Sunday, I was ready to jump off that ledge. Now, I have since talked myself off the ledge because there are many different ways the Jets can still build here. First of all, I don't think the Jaguars are going to falter here. They already said they're arresting James, arresting quote unquote James Robinson on Sunday against the Bears. They know how to execute the tank and they're going to do it because it is huge for their franchise. Yep. Now, the Jets, on the other hand, would things have been accelerated if Lawrence was the pick? Yes. Is it the end of the world that he's not? It seemed like it at first, but it's really not after I got past the initial anguish of it because, all right, first of all, Joe Douglas is one of the most respected young GMs in the league. Um, he's nailed this draft so far. They've got building blocks. Quinn Williams is an all pro defensive tackle this season, or he'll receive enough votes to be close to it. Makai Becton is a stud at left tackle. He will be the best left tackle in the league or one of the best within a year or two. Uh, if he's not considered one of the best already, because he's been that dominant this season, they have two building blocks on both sides of the line. The rest of his draft Enzel Mims looks like a stud. Bryce Hall, who we got in the fifth round, was a first or second round pick that he got the ankle injury at UVA and it pushed him to the fifth. He's back to the form that would have gotten him a first or second round pick. I could go on and on. They have more talent than people realize. On top of all that, they've got about $100 million to spend this offseason. They're going to still have the number two pick. They still have a second first round pick this year because of the Seahawks. They have the first pick of the second round because when two teams tie, they alternate rounds. So the Jags will have the first pick and the odd numbered rounds. The Jets will have the first pick and the even. Um, then after that, they have uh, two thirds. If they decide to take a quarterback and trade Donald, they'll have another second this year and a fifth probably. They have two firsts next year because of the Seahawks trade still. If they are determined to keep Donald, uh, they could trade out of two by a few picks and get even more picks, pick around six or seven, take a Devontae Smith, your boy from Bama. Uh, there's so many different things they could do. If I were Joe Douglas, my course of action is this. Because you see around the NFL, yes, getting that generational quarterback is the easy way, 
but teams are able to build other ways too. There's not one clear path to winning at all. Look at the Chiefs that year with Mahomes. He wasn't the consensus number one pick. That year, Deshaun Watson wasn't the consensus number one pick. So you could trade back to six, seven, take a guy like Zach Wilson, take a guy like Trey Lance, whatever the case may be, hire the right coach, develop him, and with all that talent around him. But my course of action would be this. You let Donald play one more year. You don't pick up his option on the rookie contract. He's playing this year as the last year of his contract. If he proves it, if he proves what a lot of people think, that he could be that guy if he wasn't saddled with Adam Gase, no offensive line, and no weapons for three years or for two years. Um, if he could take that step that everybody expected him to take, boom, you give him the contract next year, you got your guy, let's boogie. If he comes out this year and isn't good, and you see he's not the guy, then you could go the Colts route. They signed Phillip Rivers to a ready-made team. You could go sign a Matthew Stafford to a ready-made team because he'll be free after next year or someone like that. There's that avenue. There's the avenue of, again, if you – do what I say and start Donald this year, but don't give him that 50 year option. Uh, and he stinks. Then next year you have your own first round pick and the Seahawks first round pick trade up and get your guy if you have to. So I think that's their best course of action. If they're not getting Trevor Lawrence, cause I don't think the Jaguars are going to win a game. It's keep Donald. Don't pick up his 50 year option. Let him play next year. If he's good, you're set. Uh, if he is not good, then you can either sign a veteran like a Matthew Stafford who sh- who's going to shake free like the Colts did with Phillip Rivers, or you can go ahead and use your two first-round picks next year to trade up and get your guy. I think that the Jets, if they do end up with a second pick, should trade it. I think that Fields, I've seen enough this season. He's an unbelievable athlete, but he's one of those prospects that uses that to a fault. He misses- I think I'm taking Zach Wilson over Fields at this point. I would agree. So I think you, I would trade back to see how much capital you can get, get your guy, Zach Wilson. Maybe you take Mac Jones or even Kyle Trask if they like him, but Lawrence is so clear, the number one pick, but now fields at number two, you know, the jets, especially with the way they are and with the way that division's looking and how Buffalo's looking and how Miami's going to be over the next couple of years, I, I would trade that pick, try and get as much draft capital as you have. You mentioned the picks that they have these next upcoming years, um, that they can really build something. Becton's been great. Quinn and Williams, now that he's finally healthy, you can see why he was the number three pick. Exactly. Um, so, you know, and the Jets showed you the potential that this team can have. Now, the Rams laid an egg. There's been spots this season at home where mm-hmm. they just haven't gotten up for certain teams. With that being said, they obviously never should have lost that game. So credit the Jets, the first half. I mean, it was like the Bengals, those two teams yeah. in the first half. The Bengals looked like the 11 and 2 team. The Steelers looked like the 2 and 2 10 and 1 team. Um, so, you know, that's that's why the NFL is so great because you just you never know and especially when the pressure is on these teams like the Rams and the Steelers to win their division or get higher playoff seeds. Um, when these teams come in that they just think they're going to walk all over and they find themselves in a deficit, we saw that that is, uh, is certainly not the case. But, you know, it's, I, I feel for you because <laughs> when you're 0-14, 0-13, you have three games left. You think you're getting Trevor Lawrence. You got the Rams on the schedule. You got the That's Browns on the it schedule. Stung. Like it, it stung like crazy on Sunday. And then I took a step back and I'm like, all right, well, in the trenches, Makai Becton's a stud. They're going to have $100 million in cap space. And the worst-kept secret in football is that Joe Douglas wants and Joe Thune wants to play for the Jets. So you're getting the best left guard in football to put next to Becton. 
Uh, Elf Lion, who they picked up off waivers midseason, who just wasn't working out in Minnesota, has been tremendous in a few games for the Jets. So he could be your right guard. George Fant's been good at right tackle. You just got to find a center. And now all of a sudden you go from a bad offensive line to one of the better ones in the league. On the defensive side, you have your own Quinn and Will, um, your own Aaron Donald, Michael Brockers pairing, and Quinn and Williams, and now John Franklin Myers, who was another one who came out of nowhere this year. John Franklin Myers is second to only Aaron Donald in uh, pass rush win rate among interior defensive linemen playing next to Quinn and Williams. Wow. So you got to find edge rushers, edge rushers to put with them. You got to find another corner to put opposite Bryce Hall. You have your safety in Marcus May. This is a certain guy who I think is a pretty good linebacker by the name of CJ Mosley comes back next year because he opted out of this season. He still plays. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so you've got that and you've got a new head coach. You got all that money yeah. to spend. You're probably adding a guy like Allen Robinson to the mix uh, in free agency or a guy like uh, Godwin from the Bucks. There's a lot of receivers and they have the money. So in this year that there's a lot of teams that are way over the cap. Like I saw the saints with the cap production are going to be like 90 over next year. Uh, the Steelers are about 60 over. The Eagles are about 40 over. All these teams are way over. The Bucks are way over. They're going to have to l- miss out on talent on their own team out of necessity. And that's where a team like the Jets and the Jaguars, who aren't good but have 100-plus million in cap space, are going to be able to swoop in and overpay in a year where other teams aren't going to be able to do that. So they have more young, promising pieces in place than people realize because they've been so bad with Gase. And yeah. they have – the money and the draft capital and the respect of Joe Douglas after that loss. What made me start to feel good was that night guys like Dan Jeremiah, Tory Smith, um, all these guys on Twitter, they were saying, all right, Jets fans, this hurts today. Relax. You have Joe Douglas. This is such a well, uh, just a, 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 all around the league, such a high regard for Joe Douglas. And we've seen it. We've seen it in one year, the way he's been able to tear down and already start finding these gems that have produced and, um, you go back to the Jets when they had Rich Kotite, that last one in 15 season they had. That next year, they were a playoff caliber team. And the only thing that changed was they went from Rich Kotite to Bill Parcells. They didn't add any talent, really. You go back and look at the roster from the, the one in 15 year to the following year, they didn't really change anything. All they changed was Rich Kotite to Bill Parcells. So that, I'm not saying that's a, the turnaround level that they have this time because there are glaring holes in the roster, but they have mm-hmm. the money and draft capital to fix it and going from Gase to whoever is an upgrade. I mean, I could coach this team next year, and it would be an upgrade over Adam Gase. So things will be fine. It sucked not to get Donald um, Lawrence, especially after watching him against Notre Dame. And yeah. probably, I'm, I'm going to really not want to watch that that those two games, uh, Clemson against Ohio Just State and Clemson against Bama. I'm not going to want to watch either of them. And what's nice is that with the Bengals, with the Bengals winner, you automatically guaranteed automatically second. guaranteed. So you can no win out. So that's so that's good. So yeah, and the man, this uh, draft class in the first round with offensive skill people. You talk about Devontae Smith, but I think Najee Harris would be a much oh, yeah. better fit. I mean, because you know you have Frank Gore right now. You guys need a running back. So you mentioned though on a football team the pil- the pieces you need to build around. You need they a left tackle. Yeah. They have them. So they have them. That's yeah, it. they're in a good spot. Lawrence obviously would have been nice to get, but uh, still, still that's a what I'm lot saying. To look the the to. biggest question is always a quarterback. If they would have got Lawrence, the question is answered. Now it's. Do you like Donald? Do you draft a quarterback this year? Do you do what I think they should do and give Donald a year to see what he could do with talent and an actual coach and then get either a veteran like Stafford for a ready-made team the following year or use your draft capital to take a quarterback the following year? But Joe, right. I think that gives them the most options because like that, you're looking at three options. You're looking at Donald being the guy 
a, a really great veteran like Stafford or a rookie the following year. And nobody's expecting the Jets to contend next year. So I don't care if Donald comes out and actually does show that he sucks and they go four and 12. If anything, that's fine because then they're going to get another good draft pick to get that quarterback the following year. So I think that's the best course of action. You have so many teams too right now in the playoff hunt, the Steelers, the Colts, the Bears, the 49ers uh, when they're healthy. They'll all be looking for quarterbacks uh, next year. Oh, yes. So they're uh, yeah, you'll be you'll be in a good spot. Um, all right, we got Tim Murray coming up in a little bit. We uh, talked uh, bowls with them before we get into that though, Joe. We'll talk about uh, some of these bowl games ourselves. Obviously, not the forty that we're used to. Uh, and you know, each day it seems like another one's getting canceled or somebody's filling in for somebody. It's just obviously the way of 2020 you kind of never know who's going to play and if they're going to end up playing we do have the final four matchups though really no surprise people were pushing for texas a&m they were hoping maybe cincinnati would jump all the way from nine to four but it just wasn't going to happen so you got bama and notre dame and clemson and ohio state um Bama's going to beat Notre Dame. Like, not even a question. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to try and tell you. Like, That's you one know, of those Notre games Dame. where the only competition is the spread. That's it. Right. Um, Clemson and Ohio State, though, is really interesting for a couple reasons. First off, the ESPN Power Index has this as a 50-50 game. Take no that as what you will. No but way. <laughs> they think Ohio State is on an even playing field. The thing, though, that I would be nervous of if I'm a Clemson fan is – Dabo Sweeney is giving Ohio State a mm-hmm. lot of bulletin board material. I mean, he is not shy. Every time he's on TV, he's taking a jab at Ohio State. He put him 11th in the coaches' poll. He told him that a team that, you know, doesn't play as many games as other teams should be up there. He just has no respect for the Buckeyes. They're probably already watching tape on Bama. I'm sure they're, they're not even watching that much tape on Ohio State. Um, Ohio State should have won this game last year. The problem is, is that Ohio State, even though I think they were the better team last year, they've obviously gotten worse. Mm -hmm. And Clemson, they maybe have gotten a little worse, but I mean, they still have Lawrence and ETN. And Ohio State, instead of Fields and Dobbins, just has Fields. If Chris Olave plays, I think this game's a lot more interesting. If he still has uh, COVID and he's not able to play, to me, that's the difference. Because against Northwestern, when he was out and Garrett Wilson had to become the number one receiver, it, it changed everything. They did find something, though, in Trey Sermon running the ball. We'll see if that carries over into the Clemson game. Right now, I like Ohio State, especially with the hook at seven and a half. I love Notre Dame against Clemson last week. Joe, here's what Clemson does so well and why I think they'll actually end up winning the national championship. They let teams drive the ball up and down the field. You saw that in the Notre Dame game. Notre Dame's first three drives, they went right down the field, got into the red zone. Clemson's red zone defense, though, is phenomenal. It's like the Patriots were a couple of years ago. The the Patriots last year were lights out all around. But the Patriots of, like, the three years before that, when they made those Super Bowl, when they beat the Rams, when they lost to the Eagles, when they beat the Falcons, those three years – those Patriots teams, they let you move the ball. But once you got to the 20, your field goal kicker better be warming up. Yeah. Because you're not getting in that end zone was exactly. kind of the way they had it. And, exactly. and that's, I'm glad you brought it. That's exactly what Clemson is right now. I don't think it'll be Bama. Uh, I think it'll be a great game. I think if it gets down to it, 
I will probably pick Bama straight up and depending on what the spread is probably Clemson on the spread. Um, but I just think Bama is an all around better, more talented team as far as what you're saying, getting to the national title game. And I'm sure you're enjoying me saying that, but uh... <laughs> their offense is better, but Clemson's defense is better. And again, I think their offense will score touchdowns. And I worry that our offense will kick field goals and that will be the difference because you know, say Bama has 10 possessions in the game. I'm confident they could score on seven or eight of them. Mm. But I think if Clemson has 10 possessions, they could score on six or seven of them. And if they're scoring touchdowns and we're kicking field goals, you know, and sometimes our offense is so balanced. You saw in the Florida game that when we had that big lead, Sark was like, you know what? We got Najee Harris. Our defense can't stop Florida. Let's just run the ball. And by doing that, instead of really keeping your foot on the gas and throwing the ball and just putting points on the board, even if it's quick strike, you kind of let Florida get back in the game a little bit. I'm interested to see in the, if the game plan against Clemson is just like, look, we got Najee. But it seems like every time we throw the ball, we get a first down. So let's yeah. just score quick. Um, but I tell you, if they play in the national championship, they've obviously had some instant classic games in the championship. I think this has the chance to be the best one. Because I agree. It's year three of Lawrence, obviously. ETN's a senior. I asked him uh, in the in the interview whether he thought LSU's offense was better last year or Bama's this year. And he says, that's a really good question. He says, LSU won the championship. So right now I have to give the nod to them. If Bama wins it, we'll have to revisit. But when you look at the offenses, after Joe Burrow ahead of Mac Jones, you could really go on all levels of that offense. When you go Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Najee Harris, Bama kind of beats out LSU in all those categories. So again, if those teams play, Field goals versus touchdowns will decide the entire game. Agree. I don't think I'll commit to a pick on it yet until I see how the semis go because I think the semis are going to tell – not not necessarily about Bama. Bama's played tremendous competition all year. We won't learn any more about Bama in a romp against Notre Dame than we have all year. But we're going to learn a lot more about Clemson because all season long, Clemson's – their only real tests were when – Miami. Lawrence was out. Yeah. And, and when Lawrence played – they killed everybody and none of the offenses they played or teams as a whole were as good as Ohio state. So you look at Bama, they've already played multiple better teams than Notre Dame, in my opinion. And we've seen what they've done to those teams. No Clemson has not played anybody better than Ohio state. So we're going to learn a lot about Clemson and I will reserve my pick until, until we see how these games play out. Again, I think I'm going to lean Bama, but I do want to see how this plays out because we're going to learn a lot about Clemson in this game and in this game, I mean, you said you're probably taking Ohio state with the hook. I I'm again, I haven't decided yet entirely. I want to see what's up with Olave and stuff. I think I'm going Clemson because I think, I think we're seeing Trevor Lawrence take that next step psychologically where he just wants to kill people like, Last week with Notre Dame, he came out in the interview and he was like, yeah, I saw them on the field after they beat us, the fans and stuff, and I wanted to take it to him. We've never seen that side of him before. He's always been calm and collected. And one thing that's always been really interesting is just the parallel between him and Justin Fields. They were the number one and two recruits in their classes. They, they played in the, in the playoff last year. There's a chance they're going to be the number one and two picks this year. I think that's just more motivation in this game, too, for Trevor Lawrence to just remind people. And last year's game, people argued that 
Ohio State should have won, and Fields might have actually played better than Trevor Lawrence. So I think this is Lawrence coming out and announcing himself. Yeah, this is this is my number one pick, and the gap between me and number two is bigger than you think it is. And I think defensively, we saw what they did against Notre Dame, and we've seen Ohio State struggle with Indiana, struggle with Northwestern. I think they'll struggle with Clemson. I think Clemson wins the game by two touchdowns. But I want to see if Olave plays because he is a big deal in this equation as far as whether or not I trust picking against a hook. Because I could say that they they win by two touchdowns, but with Olave in there, the offense is a little bit bit more dynamic. And maybe that 14 becomes seven in the last two minutes of the game. So so that could could change my perception. But I, I think Clemson has it in hand. Whether they cover or not could come down to the wire, but they'll have the game in hand. And it's seven and a half right now. I wouldn't be surprised if that gets bet up to about eight and a half or nine. We'll see you what know, happens. We said when the lines came out uh, that I, I, Bama and Notre Dame, I, I was going to be surprised if that one didn't get to 21. It's all the way up to 19 and a half now. Could. It could. Um, any Looking at any of the other games, is there anyone that stuck out as like a bet, a best bet for you that you just looked at that matchup and you're like, oh my God, like I love them to cover or win outright? So the one that already happened was BYU last night because I thought Zach Wilson was going to do what he did. And in the same way that Lawrence could make his final statement, yeah. Zach Wilson on national TV made his statement that, yeah, maybe I'm better than Fields. So that was one of them. Uh, now looking down the rest of them, and again, things could change still. Um, Buffalo, four and a half against Marshall. Marshall wasn't very impressive down the stretch. Um they really kind of backed into the end of the season. They, they got a bad loss against Rice. They didn't look good against UAB. Buffalo, yeah, they lost to Ball State. But as long as Jarrett Patterson plays, uh, if this were a full 12-game season, with the pace that he was on, he would have been probably mentioned in Heisman conversations because yeah. he was that good. Mm-hmm. And it's only four and a half. So I do like Buffalo there. Um, Liberty Coastal Carolina at seven and a half. We've been on Coastal all year. I would go Liberty plus a seven and a half. That one stuck out to me because Coastal this whole time, they've been thinking that they would get a New Year's six game and then they didn't. And you know what that could kind of do to teams psychologically where they don't get the bowl they want. And Liberty, on the other hand, they were disrespected. That was the week when the game between Liberty and Coastal got canceled and they played BYU. And that week, Liberty, all they had to hear all week was, oh, we wanted to see this game anyway. Oh, we didn't really want to see Liberty Coast. We wanted to see them against BYU. This is a much better game. They have that in their minds. So I think Liberty keeps that game close or wins outright. Uh, Other than that, there weren't a ton that I looked at and was like, yeah, I mean, I really, really love this. Uh, I I like Florida minus two and a half against Oklahoma. uh, But then uh, these are still, you know, a week away. Um, yeah, Florida minus two and a half against Oklahoma. I think they, uh, I think they've got the offense. O- Oklahoma's defense has been playing better, but I think they've got the offense for that. Um, other than that, yeah, th- this bowl season just has like a, a weird. I know it's it. like, I it's mean, really not the same. The, the bowl pick 'em pool that I won last year, they're not even running it this year because all the possible schedule changes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So there's, I've looked at the games and I, there's some that I liked. I'm still scrolling down the list. Iowa State minus four and a half against Oregon. I like that one, but again, there's not too many because there's so much uncertainty. And but those those three stuck out. 
Uh, so I got four that I think I'm going to bet. I love Colorado plus 10 against Texas. I, I just, I, I'm not laying double digits with Texas. It's that simple. I think they can win the game. I think we've seen what they've done in bowl games though, with Hellinger and, and Herman. We have, but that's always been as an underdog. I think that now, so, you know, they were a big underdog to Georgia. They were a big underdog to Utah. Herman's so good in the underdog role, uh, underdog role, but now is a big favorite Ellinger's last college game. A lot of emotion. I could see them getting off to a slow start. Colorado easily could be undefeated this year, 5-0. and They had a really, really good season. A lot of people expect them to be the worst team in the Pac-12, but they really played well. Um, but Texas loves the Alamo Bowl, uh, which is the only thing that worries me, but I just, I'm not laying double digits with that team. You mentioned Florida. Oklahoma is probably one of my favorite bets, actually, <laughs> just because – I don't know what the motivation is for Florida. You know, like you were so ready to I think play. It's just, I think it's just NFL draft. That's that's my only thing here. Because well, Pitts Trask, has already apted out. Uh, Trask out. is as, playing. As long as Trask plays um, and a guy like Tony is playing, I think there's a lot of guys in that Florida roster that have a lot of incentive playing for the draft. And that's – we've seen it time and again. Like that bowl game when you're like the only game on, on ESPN or ABC – it is your last chance to stake that claim to being around higher than you should um, in pads between the lines, because obviously the combine weighs heavy, but this is your last actual football game to show what you are. So as long as Trask is playing, I, I like them in this, in this spot. I just, the way they ended the season, I just think they're ready to get it over. And Oklahoma is quietly playing as well as anybody right now. You mentioned the defense is getting better. I think Spencer Rattler playing a game like this will really want to build momentum going in into next season. And uh, I think the Sooners are going to score on that, on that defense. And without Pitts, we saw how different they were against LSU. I think they could. Uh, you know, as, be long as, nobody throws a, as long as nobody throws a shoe, we're okay. That's true. That's true. Um, the other game, uh, the other two games I love, I love Northwestern over Auburn. I, I nor- Auburn will one. be lucky to score 10 points in that game. They obviously don't have a co- – they just hired a coach yesterday, but he won't be coaching with them on the sidelines. And Northwestern, Pat Fitzgerald, one of the best coaches in the country. You know they'll be fired up. They played so well in that Big Ten title game. Just a couple turnovers in that game uh, really swung it, but they were right there with Ohio State, had a chance to win it. Love the Wildcats. And then Texas a and against North Carolina – A&M's ability, their offensive line, their running game, I just think they'll possess the football against North Carolina. I don't see how they take them off the field. Their offense will be able to score a lot of points. Um, A&M's got a pretty good run defense, though, and North Carolina, when they get the running game going, they're unstoppable. When they don't, we see what they can do against teams like Notre Dame, and that offense can get shut down. So A&M minus seven, I think, is worth a look as well. We, me and, uh, and Tim Murray discuss all of that in the interview coming up next. Joe was unable to join us because of his dental procedure. I think he was just still hung up over the Jets <laughs> loss. But, uh, but nonetheless, we missed you, Joe. And, uh, and we got some good stuff with Tim coming up next. Pleased to be joined this week by VEASAN Live host Tim Murray. And uh, Tim, uh, judging by your background, a lot has happened since uh, we last talked. You've Moved to a little warmer part of the country out in the desert. How's everything in Vegas going? Oh, it's going well, man. Uh, I know uh, I know your partner in crime is dealing with a little toothache, so uh, yeah. he'll. Uh, I, we, I send him my best, but uh, yeah, it's it's wild, you know, to think about uh, these. Since the last time we chatted, you know, I was sitting on my couch in uh, in Maryland, and now 
Uh, I'm at the Circus Sportsbook. Uh, been out here uh, since uh, September 1st. So we started September 1st, made the trek out west uh, in late August. And uh, yeah, it's been it's been going well, man. It's 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 certainly a change. And uh, these past couple of weeks have um, made me realize why living out here during the winter is nice. It was like 65 and sunny today during the uh, during the afternoon. So man. can't complain about that. That's that's pretty awesome. Now, Tim, I'm so glad to have you on for this time of the year because I know how much you love bowl season. When uh, when we were doing the daily line together, I remember Jenks and Sarah would throw out a day and you'd say who the bowl was, the teams, when it was. So, you know, bowl season. When the schedule came out on Sunday and you got your look at all the games, what was the game that really caught your eye that you looked at it and you're like, ooh, that has the potential to be a good one? Yeah, I mean, outside of the obvious, you know, I think Clemson, Ohio State, I'm very curious about Ohio State. Um, I just feel like uh, they haven't played all that well. They've obviously dealt with quite a bit of uh, of COVID this year. Um, you know, on, on, a, on a lesser level, um, you know, UNC had uh, a couple opt-outs, um, but I, you know, the UNC uh, Texas A&M Orange Bowl was something I was looking at. Now, once again, the opt-outs, um, you know, they're missing. I, I have my notes here, uh, but they'll be missing a handful of uh, of important pieces um, to the season. Uh, you know, Chaz Surratt, their linebacker, their best uh, receiver, uh, Brown, uh, one of their top running backs is out. So, but I just looked at that spot, PJ, because, um, you know, we've, we've seen this before. A couple of years ago, I, I think it was uh, Georgia was playing Texas. Georgia yeah. was bent out of shape. They didn't get into the college football playoff. They were tweeting about, you know, Notre Dame's performance, and uh, then they go out and lose to Texas. So I was really looking at that game. Um, the the opt-outs make me a little bit worried worrisome Mac Brown 14 and eight uh, in his career uh, in a bowl game last year granted against much lesser competition than what they'll face in Texas A&M uh, but playing Temple is really kind of a, a springboard into the buzz of UNC this year so I think that game is something I'm gonna keep an eye on the Orange Bowl January 2nd uh, and then you know another big bowl Cotton Bowl uh, December 30th uh, you've got Oklahoma against Florida Kyle Pitts is out uh, has opted out for that game. Uh, Oklahoma, one of their top cornerbacks, has opted out. Um, but you think about the way Oklahoma has been playing at the end of the season, and uh, I, I think this is an, an, an intriguing spot, too. I, I don't know if Kyle Trask will go. Uh, I think more Florida players might opt out. Uh, you kind of think about that as their, uh, you know, the Super Bowl was really the SEC championship. Um, so I think that could be uh, an interesting spot. And, uh, yeah, I mean – you kind of have to play uh, amateur psychologist a bit in bowl season. You know, what's this team's mindset going to be? I saw someone on VEASAN, uh, I think it was Paul Stone, who's a really good college football handicapper, brought up the uh, the Cure Bowl on December 26th, which is Liberty against Coastal Carolina. You know, Coastal Carolina has been maybe the best story in all of college football this year, 11-0, and 0, uh, really uh, screwed over by the committee. Uh, they're playing in, in in this bowl game as opposed to somewhere where they get to test themselves against a power five opponent. You know, what, are, are they going to be up for the the task that is a, a pretty solid Liberty team uh, that for a moment, PJ thought they might not even get into a bowl game. So, you know, that might be a spot where you try to grab the points. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, a couple of the big boys, I'm curious to see army against West Virginia. That game just gets announced the Liberty bowl yep. army got left out. Um, now they get an opportunity to play against a power five opponent in West Virginia. They're north of a touchdown underdog. 
so far in his in his brief career at Army, Jeff Munkins three and zero in bowl games. So yeah, it, th- those games are, are intriguing to me. Um, and then uh, you know I don't know when this is going to post, but uh, I, I do think UCF and BYU probably uh, ha- is in the past now, but yeah. depending on when this is posted. But uh, I think that was a, a very fascinating bowl uh, matchup as well. Yeah, motivation, you're so right, is such a big part of bowl season and the SEC getting 12 teams in. Like, I look at the Mississippi State-Tulsa game and, Mm -hmm. you know, Mississippi State had a nice little finish to the year, but how much motivation will they have? South Carolina was supposed to play UAB, but that game just got uh, postponed, so we'll see if uh, UAB can find another team. You brought up Coastal Carolina, and so much of bowl season is we get to see these group of five teams that have had good seasons – but maybe a lot of people haven't seen Cincinnati and coastal got a lot of the hype during the regular season. So Tim, who's a team from the group of five outside of those two that people are going to get a chance to see during bowl season that you really like? Yeah, I think uh, Christmas day could be a really uh, a a fun one. Uh, The Camellia bowl, you got Buffalo taking on Marshall. Uh, I had a future on Buffalo that didn't come home. I was able to, uh, Try to get a middle. Ultimately, I uh, got my money back, but uh, I took Ball State plus the points, and they obviously won that game outright against uh, Buffalo. You know, I don't know. I'm assuming Jared Patterson is going to play. Um, you know, for those in the DMV, a local kid went to Pilates, uh, and then has really been uh, just having a remarkable season. So I think Buffalo is really a team that's intriguing. Marshall, uh, pretty sluggish end to the season. Um, you know, losing to Rice and then losing the, uh, the CUSA championship game against UAB. But uh, that game on, on Christmas Day should be a fun one. Um, and, and, I, you know, I was a big believer in, in Buffalo. It's not just Jared Patterson. Um, you know, uh, Mark's in their backfield, too, another really solid running back. Um, Patterson's brother is a linebacker. And, you know, a coaching name to keep an eye on. I don't know if he'll end up getting scooped up in this, uh, in this circle. I mean, if I were Illinois, I wouldn't have hired Brett Bielema. I would have ha- hired Lance Leipold out of uh, Buffalo. Uh, what he's done, um, you know, just a brief history on him. He was at UW-Whitewater Division yeah. Three school, won six national titles, goes to Buffalo when they're down in the dumps and has really rebuilt that program. And uh, they, you know, they lose in the MAC championship, but probably were the best team in the MAC this year. Uh, really uh, prolific offense, two, as I mentioned, two really impressive running backs. So that's uh, a Christmas Day game. So if uh, you're, you're tired of your family, uh, Marshall and Buffalo should be an interesting one. Um, yeah. I mean, coastal Carolina, as you mentioned. Um, yeah. I mean, Tulsa actually, you, you know, who is, is, is a team that is, uh, has been a tremendous story, San Jose state, San Jose state. Yeah. Uh, and they'll play ball state, um, in the Arizona bowl. That'll be on new year's Eve. Uh, Brett Brennan has done a remarkable job and, you know, in, in, in the 2020 ness of this year, you know, this is a team that really, uh, was, was kind of without a home for a while and, uh, everyone thinking, you know, they were, they were, you know, like a six, seven point dog against Boise state. And, uh, they win that game outright. Um, they were a covering machine this year, seven mm-hmm. games and went six, zero and one against the spread. So, uh, now people are starting to recognize who they are. Uh, ball state played really well in the Mac championship. Got to give them a ton of credit. So, um, you know, that's a fun one too. On new year's Eve, I think that's two o'clock Eastern, uh, Arizona bowl should be a good one. San Jose state against ball state kind of wish it was San Jose state against Buffalo, um, or Santa or Buffalo against Coastal Carolina. But yeah. I think, you know, when you're looking at some intriguing matchups, like I mentioned, Coastal Carolina Liberty will be a really good one uh, on December 26th. 
uh, Christmas Day, Buffalo against uh, Marshall, and then uh, Ball State and San Jose State will be a good one too. Buffalo, one of the best offenses in the group of five, and Marshall, one of the best defenses. So that'll be really good. You mentioned Buffalo and Coastal, and Tim, I know on Twitter you were rooting for that to be a bowl game. You wanted yeah. to see those two teams go against each other. Was there another matchup that you wanted to see that you thought had the potential to be a really good bowl game? Well, I just think, you know, look, the bowl season is is our glorified exhibitions. And, I, and look, I understand contracts and everything like that. But this year, look, I think this year we've learned that you know, we could throw out rules for a little bit, right? You know, the fact that BYU and Coastal were able to come together and make a game in a span of, you know, four or five days was, was really impressive. And I give them a lot of credit. And because of that, you know, there were opportunities to be had, you know, Coastal Carolina deserves the opportunity. First off, Coastal Carolina deserves to be in a New Year's Six Bowl. I agree. Um, you know, Iowa State gets in there with three losses, props to Matt Campbell and company, but you know, Coastal went undefeated. Iowa State has three losses. Um, they have a common opponent. They lose. You know, they lost to UL Lafayette. Coastal beats UL Lafayette. They're undefeated. And uh, you know, I would have loved to see Coastal Carolina. I, I know, um, you know, TV and money and all that stuff. But you know, it, it, it's unfortunate. While I think these bowl games are intriguing, San Jose State, Ball State, Liberty against Coastal Carolina. I'm not trying to skate your question. I just would have loved to see. Um, you know. Northwestern, a very good Big Ten team, right? Put them up against a team like Coastal Carolina. Figure out a way to get a matchup like that. It doesn't have to be a New Year's Six, but, you know, Northwestern's taking on Auburn. And you just always wonder, you know, a team like Auburn um, now really struggled down the stretch. Like, yeah. what's their motivation? Right. You know, they just fired Gus Malzahn. They don't have a coach right now. You know, I, I think Northwestern against Coastal Carolina would have been a much more intriguing matchup. Um, there are so many, there were so many opportunities out there for, for these teams just to, just to kind of figure it out. You know, that would have been great to see the Citrus Bowl have Northwestern and, uh, and Coastal Carolina. Um, but, you know, Indiana, they kind of get screwed out of going to a, a good bowl and they're playing Mississippi. Yeah. What about Indiana against San Jose State? Two really good defensive teams. That would have been a fun matchup. So yeah. I just, I feel like this was the year where let's, we don't have to always Just get weird. be abiding yeah. by these guidelines. You know, like you mentioned, we've, you know, we saw the two and eight team get into a play, a, a bowl game, which once again, South Carolina, fortunately, well, not fortunately, because we don't want anyone to deal with COVID, but they're not going to be playing, uh, you know, Mississippi state, um, you know, they, they're under 500. So I just think there were opportunities. I would have loved to see coastal go up against a power five, even if they're not a new year six PJ, give them the opportunity to play a power five team and, and really see what, you know, really put themselves up because honestly, I don't know if coastal Carolina will ever have a season ever again like this. You totally know? So agree with you. It's kind of a for unfortunate that while I think Liberty is a good team, I would have much rather see them play a power five opponent. Totally with you. Um, all right, Tim, time for some playoff talk. It's you versus me in the first semifinal, Notre Dame and Bama. Bama's 19 and a half point favorites. Um, if you had to play a side, which way are you leaning right now? And knowing Notre Dame as well as you do, what are some keys for them to have some success in this game? Because nobody's given them a chance. Nobody thinks they're going to even keep it close. I think Notre Dame's really good. I, I, my best bet of championship week was them 10 and a half against Clemson. I just yeah. thought 
matchup-wise with their receivers, Skoranek and Mayer and McKinley and how Clemson blitzes. I thought they could exploit those opportunities like they did in the first game. Um, but you just see how good Trevor Lawrence is and what a difference he makes for everything. Skalski being back, too, for Clemson helped a lot. So your thoughts on Bama, Notre Dame, and how Notre Dame can, can make this a game? Yeah, um, I, I just think um, – I, I... You know, I'm as big as a. I mean, I'm college football is my favorite sport, and um, I I don't know if it if we're in an unhealthy spot uh, as a sport right now, but it just feels like Alabama and Clemson every year, PJ, are just on another level. Um, yeah. And and I agree. I, I think Notre Dame's a top five team, um, and I think this is one of the better teams we've ever seen from the Irish in recent memory. You know, I think they're better than 2018 because Ian Book's a senior as opposed to Ian Book. Uh, being a uh, you know a sophomore, redshirt freshman, whatever he was in 2018, um, but it, I just I feel like there's just a massive divide uh, between these teams, and I think you know I, I saw a, a look ahead line Notre Dame would be an eight point dog to Ohio State. I, I disagree. I think that would be a much closer game. I think you know Notre Dame is on par with Ohio State this year. Um, that being said, I, I just don't really see any way Notre Dame can win this game. Um, now, could they cover? Absolutely. I, I do think if they play. A, a near perfect game, you know, PJ, let's go back to the Clemson game, mm-hmm. you know, early that first quarter, Notre Dame really dominated. Great. Yeah. And they were down seven to three. And I tweeted out such that as much, you know, things for Clemson came easy once they got rolling. And that's what was terrifying. If you were had a bet on Notre Dame, or if you just were a fan of Notre Dame, you know, think about the way the game starts, right? They open and kick off great drive. They don't punch it in. They end up making a 50 plus yard field goal, which was, which was great. And then they get a stop, they get an interception, they drive it back down the field, and they can't punch it in. And right there, you kind of knew. And then you miss a 24-yard field goal. That 24-yard field goal just felt like it was so deflating. And then what does Clemson do? They score relative ease, and Notre Dame drives again. And they've got a fourth down. They go for it. Ian Book rolls, and he's got Avery Davis wide open, whether it was a bad throw, miscatch, whatever it was. Uh, I think there's blame to be had on both sides. And really that was right there was the game. Um, so I think for Notre Dame to hang in there with Alabama, you got to score pretty much on every drive. I mean, you know, this PJ as an Alabama fan, right? I mean, that offense, it, you know, I don't know if Jalen Waddle's going to play. I assume he's not, but there is speculation he may play, which is just horrifying. Uh, I mean, Devonte Smith is a matchup nightmare. Um, you know, Najee Harris, what does he score? Five touchdowns in the SEC championship. It's just an embarrassment of riches. And as good as Notre Dame's defense is, which is, you know, top 10 in the country, they don't have the athletes on the back end to slow them down. And, you know, Clemson's one of the Clemson's weaknesses, PJ, is their offensive line. Now, Trevor Lawrence trumps that because he's so elusive. He's, you know, a, a, a freak of nature, really hard to bring down, very, you know, but Alabama's got probably the best offensive line in the country. Now I know Landon Dickerson is out, which is a loss, but um, I don't know how Notre Dame gets pressure on Mac Jones consistently uh, without opening up too many pieces for Alabama. So if you're Notre Dame, you got to play a flawless game. I think you have to do a lot of misdirection, try to confuse Alabama's defense. Um, You know, this Alabama defense is, is a little more leaky than maybe some of them we've seen 2012. uh, The Alabama defense was ridiculous. And that team was so, so stacked defensively. So I think Notre Dame has to try to play a little keep away. Um, but, but back to my point. Yeah. I mean, if this gets over three touchdowns, I think out of principle, I just have to take Notre Dame. Uh, I, 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 like you said, you know, 
Notre Dame uh, before the ACC championship was thought of as the second best team in the country. And I thought deservedly so, yeah. but you know, it, it's just those, those two teams are on another level this year. So um, uh, I would, I would have to, I mean, Alabama's going to win. It's just a matter of can Notre Dame keep up punch for punch. And uh, you mentioned the wide receivers. I think the issue is those wide receivers, the, the Ben Skoranek's, the, um, you know, the, uh, the Michael Mayers, Michael, May- Michael Mayers is a bit tight of a matchup, yeah. you, know, you know, as a tight end, he's, he's a bit of a matchup liability. I mean, he's a five-star. I mean, that, that's what you need. You need more of those guys. Uh, your Javon McKinley's, they really struggle with separation. So I'm curious the game plan for Tommy Reese, PJ. I, I've always said, you just got to do a lot of crossing routes and kind of, but I, I want to see Notre Dame try to figure out a way to try to go downfield, take some risks, and we'll see what happens. Uh, yeah, you mentioned Bama's offense. I think this is this is Saban's best. I think Mac Jones is the second-best QB he's ever had after Tua. Alabama beat writers who've been covering that team 30, 40 years say Devontae's the best receiver they've seen. They say that he's better than Amari, better than Julio. So take that for what it's worth, but uh, he's, he's pretty good. Do you think he wins the Heisman, Devontae, or do you think it's Mac? You know, I, we had Greg McElroy on our show and uh, a couple weeks ago, and this was before the, the, the odds swung in Devontae's favor. And uh, he said, the Heisman will go to Mac, but should go to Devontae. And I agree with that assessment. I do too. But you got to remember who's voting on this thing, right? It is outdated. There are too many people voting on this. I think now, you know, we'll, I'm, it's fascinating because we actually have a legitimate discussion. Usually, PJ, it's it's locked up, right? It's it's over. Mm-hmm. You know, Joe Burrow won this thing going away, right? Oh, easily. So I think that Mac Jones does win it. So I almost think that you should look at a Mac Jones future. I think Devontae should win it. I just believe that unless – these voters have somehow found intelligence over the, the you know past couple of weeks. You have to think about a lot of these guys are beat reporters or people don't even cover college football anymore. Too many people vote on this thing. And uh, I think at the end of the day, they're going to look at Mac Jones's numbers, look at Alabama being the number one team in the country. And I think they'll go with Mac Jones. Should they? Probably not. I think the best player on the best team in the country is Devontae Smith. He should win the Heisman Trophy. But right now, if you have a chance to bet on it, I would look at Mac Jones because you're getting a little plus money on the quarterback for the best team in the country who has put up really gaudy numbers. So um, I, I'm fascinated to see I, for the future of this trophy and this award, I hope it is Devontae Smith, but I think at the end of the day, PJ, it goes to Mac. What do you think? I think it's Mac too. I think when you have an offense that explosive and that dynamic, you got to give it to there more voters are going to see the guy driving the engine because you see most nights it's Devonte beating you, but then other nights it could be Najee or other nights it could be John Mechie. When you have that many weapons, like when Amari was in the conversation for Bama, he was the only guy for Blake Sims really on that team. This team's got so many options that I feel like Devonte kind of cancels out Najee, but Max the quarterback. And I think he ends up winning. So I think your idea of betting a future on Max a really, really good idea. Um, Tim, I know you love college football so much, like you said. You love the regular season aspect of it because it just means so much. 
our mutual friend, Tim Shovers, me and him go back and forth on this all the time about whether they should expand to eight or they should keep it at four. Mm -hmm. We both think that it should stay at four, but now we're getting open to the idea of eight because we just don't feel that the committee is doing the 14 playoff justice. If they were treating it right and putting and, you know, valuing the regular season and valuing games and not just putting in brand names and teams that, you know, might not necessarily deserve it. You should put more teams into the field. What do you think? Yeah, it's funny. Um, I've been steadfast on keep it at four, keep it at four, keep it at four, because the college football regular season is the most meaningful regular season in all of sports. No question. Go to eight. Look, in a, in, a, in a fantasy land, you could say, go to eight and pick the eight best teams. It's not going to happen, right? You go to eight, it's going to be auto bids. Probably the group of five gets a, an, an entrance. And uh, at this point, I don't know why it was this year, PJ, but at this point, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm good with it. I, I'm good going to eight. And I think multiple reasons. Number one is we have now learned that the group of five has no chance. They, they can never get it. No, uh, it's impossible. Won't. I mean, this was the year. I mean, Cincinnati opens at seven and they drop without really, you know, doing anything uh, detrimental. So I I just don't know. You know, the Iowa State thing continues to bug me. Uh, Iowa State still finished ahead of Coastal Carolina with three losses, uh, including a mutual opponent. And Coastal Carolina had no losses and another win over BYU, uh, another top 20 team. So it it is rigged against the group of five. which is, which look at the end of the day is Cincinnati or coastal Carolina better than Notre Dame or better than Texas A&M? Probably not, but there's just no shot anymore. They, they have no opportunity to get in. So let's just see them uh, get invited. And, you know, the funny thing is right now, right? We got Notre Dame, Alabama. We've got this massive spread. It's probably going to be a blowout. Um, if we had eight, I think Notre Dame, Texas A&M would give us a phenomenal football game. So I almost think the quarterfinals would be better than what we're getting in the semifinals, which is, which is ironic because let's just look at if, if, if we had auto bids, one group of five and two at larges, we'd have number one, Alabama against number eight, Oregon, because they're the PAC 12 champion, probably a blowout there. Number two, Clemson against number seven, Cincinnati, probably a blowout, but you never know. Then you get really interesting matchups. Number three, Ohio State against number six, Oklahoma. I think that'd be a fascinating matchup. Great game. Number four, Notre Dame. Number five, Texas A&M. I think that'd be great. And then, you know, something that I've now come around to is, and this is something I got to give credit to um, Kevin Sheehan. He, he had this idea years and years ago. If you think about this, PJ, asking fan bases to travel three times is just unrealistic. So, a lot of this was predicated on, well, we can't go deep in the season, December 19th. You got finals, you got this, you got that. Well, this season said, forget all that. We had championship weekend on December 19th, December 19th now needs to become quarterfinal weekend game on Friday night, three games on Saturday home field. So in theory, you'd have Tuscaloosa, you'd have Clemson, you'd have South Bend, you'd have Columbus. I mean, that would be unbelievable in December possible elements there you'd have unusual matchups with a Cincinnati going to Clemson you'd have Texas A&M at Notre Dame 
So I, I think I'm, I've got, I've come around to it just because to your point, and I think you make a good one, is that we just no longer can trust this committee because we, they're very unpredictable. This year, more than ever, uh, I felt like they contradicted themselves quite a bit. And uh, to me, it was the Ohio State moving up with really no reason uh, to it. You know, Florida only dropping one spot after losing to LSU. Georgia remaining in the top 10 despite having zero top 25 wins. I mean, the hypocrisy that they had, um, you know, docking Coastal Carolina for only beating Troy by four, but not rewarding them for beating UL Lafayette and beating BYU and uh, not docking Georgia for only beating Vanderbilt by five. So there, there was just a lot of, contradictions uh in the committee in my opinion this year and i do think we should go to eight i think it's inevitable um i mean my biggest hesitation is that, that you know what's ultimately going to happen right is there's going to be a pac-12 south champ one year arizona state's going to be seven and five and they're going to upset 11 and one usc and we're going to be stuck with an eight and five pac-12 champ in there but if that's the only thing we have to worry about so be it i, I think i've come around and i'm in on eight I agree with you. Um, before we get to the Swift Seven, which is our seven rapid-fire questions and the trivia question, start of the NBA season. So Joe texted me some questions he wanted to ask you. I want to know, Tim, who do you have winning the finals? Who's your MVP? And then Joe said he had some future bets on LaMelo to win Rookie of the Year and DeAndre Ayton to win Most Improved. So what are your what are oh. your thoughts on all those things? Um, I... I do think, um, I think if I had to make a bet, I'd probably just go Lakers. Um, I think, you know, this team is better than they were last year. Uh, you get Montrez Harrell, uh, that's an improvement. You get uh, Schroeder, that's an improvement. Um, you go out and get Wesley Matthews, that's an improvement. So I think this team, the champion, actually got better. Uh, I, I, I just, I have a hard time trusting uh, the Clippers. Um, you know, maybe this is a time to buy low on the Clippers. I mean, once again, Vegas isn't all that low uh, on them. Um, you know, the Eastern Conference is going to be really fascinating. Uh, it's going to be uh, stacked. A lot of people I know are high on the Sixers uh, with Doc Rivers coming in there. Uh, they think they can spread the floor a little bit. If you can get, um, you know, Joel Embiid to stay down low and facilitate, you bring in Seth Curry, who can shoot threes at the clip that he does, you bring in uh, Danny green. So, um, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to say uh, I like the, the Lakers to win it all. And uh, I would put a future on the, the 76ers to maybe hedge off of it. Um, you know, I've been a critic of them quite a bit, um, but you know, I'm curious about them uh, heading into this year. And, and if Joel Embiid, you know, his back to the basket, he's one of the more dominant players uh, in the game. If they can keep him down low and he can facilitate uh, I think, you know, the, the Sixers will be a really interesting uh, team this year. Um, and then, you, you know, the Nets, I think, could be a potential of a disaster, but they still have KD. Um, yep. You know, Kyrie Irving is like the Kanye of the NBA, man. I just, that, that dude, I don't know what's going to come out of his mouth. Um, but uh, I, I guess I would have to go Sixers as a, as a potential future there. I think that's a little bit of a longer, I think you can get that like 25 to 30 to one or something like that. So Maybe that's uh, one there. Um, okay. MVP, uh, um, you know, you know the interesting thing, PJ, is that um, 
Luca is is the favorite to win MVP, and he'll put up a ton of numbers. And I think he's going to have you know the uh, the narrative on his side this year. I just wonder if they're good enough to for him to win MVP. I'll yeah. say my MVP a little bit longer odds. I'm high on uh, I'm high on the uh, Blazers this year. Um, not to not to win anything of importance, but. I think their their win total they'll go over. Um, this is a healthy team. I love the addition of Robert Covington. Um, so I think Dame Lillard has a chance to score thirty plus points a game. So at sixteen to one, um, I would take a flyer on him um, as uh, as MVP. I like it. Okay, and then uh, real quick, Lamelo to win Rookie of the Year. Who's your pick there? I think Lamelo is a good play because I think he'll have as much uh, usage as really any rookie. I mean, he does have the shortest odds. Um, you know, a lot of people like Obi Toppin. Um, uh, you know, playing with the Knicks there, he could be one of the main guys that they uh, they go on. Um, you know, one of the the uh, draft picks that I really loved this year was uh, Ty Halliburton. Um, him getting selected by the Kings. I don't know if you'll have enough touches there with the Aaron Fox. So um, I'll go, I'll go. It's not super long, but uh, I'll, I'll look at a guy like Obi Toppin uh, just because I think in New York, he might, you know, him and RJ Barrett. Um, I think he has a chance to score a bunch. He's the you know, older. Um, so at six to one, I'll, I'll go Obi Toppin. Not, not super sexy there, but uh, I'll go Obi Toppin. I like the pick. Um, all right, Tim. Swift seven times, set seven rapid fire questions right. for you. Number one, what is your best bet for bowl season? Ooh. Um, well, I loved UNC and then I saw the opt-out. So that was initially my best bet. Um, uh, as we tape this, Nevada's up 19-0. So can I say retrospectively, it was uh, Nevada money line against Tulane? Absolutely. We can edit uh, the part out that it was retrospect if you want. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, Nevada. I like actually like uh, the game we were talking about. I like Marshall plus three and a half against Buffalo. Underdog, you like outright on the money line. Is it UNC or is it somebody else? Oh, man. Um, let me pull up my uh, odds board here. Um, underdog outright money line. Um, give me, uh, you know what? Give me army. Give me army on the money line. Uh, nice. I think that that might be uh, that might be a spot. I think they're, you know, you'll get a juicy price on the money line. So army money line against West Virginia. I was happy to see them get in a bowl game. I thought that was, yeah, that was sure. really great. Uh, your national championship pick. Alabama, um, got a five to one future on them. So I'm, I'm liking my spot right now. Nice. Um, you know, Clemson, Clemson certainly looked, uh, healthy. They looked, you know, when you have the best player in college football, that is Trevor Lawrence. Um, you're always gonna have a puncher's chance. Um, but I, I just feel like right now, especially if Jalen Waddle is back by the national championship, which it seems like there's a very good possibility of that. Uh, I can't, I can't go away from Alabama. So, I will say the uh, Crimson Tide take care of business. Okay. Number four, if Saban and Dabo are the two best coaches in the country, who would you put at number three right now? Um, let's see. Uh, can't put Ryan Day there just yet. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be a homer here. I'll, I'll say Brian Kelly. Um, you know, the, the way he has been able to um, put things together – uh, they're making them consistent. Um, yeah, I, I think it, it is a pretty remarkable job. So I will go, yeah, I'll go, I'll go Brian Kelly as number three. 
All right. Uh, number five, would you rather lay the 10 and a half with Texas against Colorado or the 15 with Iowa against Missouri? Uh I don't want anything to do with Texas laying points. Uh, I already <laughs> played Colorado. So I did took, I. I took those points, man. Yes. I'm like, uh, I'm with I you. I don't know. I think that's another good bet. Um, you know, yeah, I agree. Colorado plus those points. That's a ton of points. Um, I can't get got it at 12 or 13. That was another great story. I mean, they lost, but if they yeah. were undefeated, I mean, they, cause nobody expects them to do anything this year. Yeah, um, no, I think yeah. they're, they have been, uh, they've been a really, uh, Carl Durrell has done a phenomenal job there so uh, yeah i guess i'd lay it with uh i guess i guess i'd lay it with iowa against missouri i would agree number six would you rather have bama's offense from this year or lsu's from last year Ooh, that's a great question um until right now i would say lsu because they won the title um fair enough yeah uh but man uh it's a great question i i would say you know joe burrow is better than mac jones so i guess Definitely. having him there um and uh, my goodness i mean look at justin jefferson what he's doing this year so hard to go wrong either way i mean this alabama team is uh is inching close to historic pace but uh, i will say lsu from last year and then number seven who was the better group of five team if cincinnati and coastal carolina played it out on the field who would you take to win i would take cincinnati um you know i I, coastal beating BYU, I think raised a lot of eyebrows like, Whoa, this team is, is for real. Yeah. Um, but I, I think Cincinnati altogether just has probably more talent. Uh, they're not a flash in the pan. You know, they've been doing this. They've, they've sustained this success for quite some time now. So uh, I would say Cincinnati, both hell of a story. Um, you know, curious, my Irish need a D coordinator. So I'm curious if Marcus Freeman, uh, could be uh, could be on his way to South Bend. I wouldn't hate that move, but uh, yeah. yeah, they are uh, they're they're loaded. Um, very impressive. Would have loved to see. Uh, curious to see them. You know, that's a bowl game too. Um, a lot of people have been down on Georgia this year. Yep. Uh, good opportunity for Cincinnati to uh, quiet the naysayers. So that's a that's a bowl game where um, you know north of a touchdown, I would grab the points of Cincinnati. I like it. All right, Tim, you made it to the trivia question. Last time we gave you a Notre Dame one. This time is bowl season. Oh, okay. And uh, try to find a good one for you. So obviously this year, bowl season's crazy. We only got like 25 bowls and, you know, obviously teams that would make it, some have opted out. So just ending in 2019, so not counting this year, mm -hmm. can you give me four of the top five teams who had the longest bowl streaks in college football uh virginia tech virginia tech is number one with 27 straight years correct uh florida state's ended recently so they are no longer uh, correct yep no florida state no longer there um i i guess i'll just have to go with some of the chalk here i'll, I'll say uh alabama alabama was six so they oh, did not make a cut yes okay. um what about boise state no not boise state all right. Um, Texas has had some down years. I'll say uh, Oklahoma. Oklahoma's number three, 21 straight years. Um, oof. And then let's see. Um, you got two SEC schools and one Big Ten remaining. Okay. We well, only need four, so. Okay. Uh, Ohio State had that six and six year. Well, they, did, they were on probation, so they didn't have a postseason berth one year. Um, let's go with, um, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, number five, 18 straight years. 
And they just okay. need one of the SEC schools. One SEC school. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't think they've had it. I'm trying to think of, of teams who have had poor years in recent uh, memory. Um, the Zook years at Florida, they might have missed the bowl. Let's say, let's say Georgia. Georgia, number two, 23 straight years. So the last one was LSU. Virginia okay. Tech, 27 straight. Georgia, 23 straight. Oklahoma, 21. LSU, 20. Wisconsin, 18. And then Bama was six. Clemson was seven. Wow. So Love it. Top appreciate five. it. Yeah. Well done, Tim. Again, appreciate you joining us. I know how busy you are. Happy holidays to you. Merry Christmas. I know Joe uh, wished he could be here, but uh, it was great talking to you. It's great seeing you again. And uh, be well until next time. Absolutely, man. Appreciate it. Merry yeah, Christmas. Thanks, Tim. Once again, that was Tim Murray joining us from Las Vegas. Loved his setup in the background at uh, at the South Point Casino. I think that is. I think that's where he is. Um, but I, I thought it was – I asked him the trivia question of which teams had the longest bowl streaks as his trivia question coming up, starting from last season. Because this year, you know, I mean, there's so much flux and, and craziness uh virginia tech ended up being the team who has the longest bowl streak 27 wow. straight years bam and clemson are not in the top five it was lsu georgia oklahoma wisconsin and virginia tech uh so well done tim got virginia tech right off the bat so he was all over that one joe as we look into the nba now i had to ask tim with the season starting who he liked much like we've talked about he can't see how anybody likes the late uh how anybody doesn't like the Lakers, even with their loss last night against the Clippers. Uh, you know, I, I still like the Lakers. It's early. Um, the one team that's interesting though, is the Nets. Yes. Because that offense was as advertised last night. I think the thing that's being overblown though, about the Nets is that I just don't know if I trust their defense in a playoff series. When, the court shrinks, and you really have to lock up on teams. They have Katie and Kyrie, two of the best ISO players in the NBA. They'll be able to score on anybody. But when you get to play these good coaches like Nick Nurse and Brad Stevens and Eric Spolstra, and you have to play defense to advance in the playoffs, I just – I don't – I think that's going to be the Nets' kryptonite and why they ultimately don't reach the finals – but look, for the regular season, they're going to be the most entertaining team to watch, and I really don't think it's close. Um, their, their, their offense last night was just so good. Steve Nash, you can already see the blueprint he's having on them as a coach. There were so many times last night where they just got a steal, and it was just like a Nash pull-up three in transition yeah. or a highlight pass. I loved it. It's um, that seven seconds or less D'Antoni, Steve Nash offense, but yes. with otherworldly talent. Oh, and it's just going to be fun to watch. All it's long. so fun. Um, Warriors too. I think, you know, that whoever they would have played opening night, especially without Draymond, when you don't have your heart and soul out there, they're still, they brought Kelly Oubre in. That was his first game with the team. James, James Wiseman rookie debut, pretty strong. Um, so, you know, the Warriors are still trying to figure it out, but Joe, I was trying to figure out, you know, like the playoff seedings and, and who I liked in the East and the West. It's tough this year. The I mean, seedings are tough. It, it's tough to figure out tough. the seedings as far as figuring out the teams in any order. That's maybe a little bit easier, but still tough. Um, going into last night, 
my finals pick was Lakers over Celtics because I think the Celtics have kind of gotten that taste. They've been close. Um, and I think Jason Tatum takes that step to superstardom this year. But after watching the Nets last night, I kind of want to change that because <laughs> my thing was I didn't know what KD was going to look like off the Achilles. That's one injury where people just haven't been the same after it. Well, he looked the same and better. So if that's the KD we're going to get all season long, again, it's a marathon, not a sprint. We'll have to see. But if that's the KD we're going to get all season long, it's hard not to think that KD could win the MVP and hard not to think that they can make the finals. Uh, I do I like everybody else think the Lakers will be fine and make it to and probably win again. Yeah. Um, just a matter of who plays them in the Western Conference Finals, who is in the East. I think the Clippers give them that challenge finally in the Western Conference Finals this year Same. that they should have last year in the East. I will stick with the Celtics making the ECF. Uh, I'll say it's against the Nets, and I'll say that the Nets win. At, <laughs> again, I, I don't want to overreact to one game last you night. You kind of are. And I kind of am, but – it's just a matter of the only thing I wanted to see is KD as explosive as he was and the same that he was. You would have been able to figure that out last night. That's why I'm saying it's, it's kind of an overreaction, but it's kind of not because that's one injury where you will, you, we were going to find out in the first five minutes of last night's game. Preseason is a different thing. The guys weren't necessarily going 100%, but we were going to find out in the first five minutes of last night's game. Is KD really KD? KD is still really KD. Mm -hmm. So I think, it, yes, it's a one-game overreaction. But, again, it's such a key thing. We just have to see if he is actually who he was, and he is. So that's why I'm – because I was I was on the fence. Going into last night, I was on the fence. I was between the Celtics and the Nets. And seeing KD fully healthy, it flipped it. Um, Nets over Celtics now in the ECF. Lakers over Clippers. Lakers over Nets. And I'm looking forward to the season. Uh, getting into awards – there's some interesting battles this year. Uh, Luca actually ended up as the favorite for MVP, yeah, surprisingly. I thought it would just be Giannis again, but Luca did end up as the favorite. Yeah, he did. Um, Giannis is actually my pick to win MVP. I I'm going through the MVP, and I my biggest thing with all these players is that it's guys like Anthony Davis or Kevin Durant or – Steph Curry, where they just have great teammates that'll kind of cancel everybody out or their teams won't be good enough for them to win the award. So I just, I came back to Giannis. I mean, the fact that he signed his contract, he knows that he's going to be in Milwaukee. He has that sense of relief that like, I'm here, we're good. They know they can build around me. I just think it's going to put him at ease. Now, again, because he's the two-time winner, it'll make it tough for him Boulder to fatigue, big again. Time. Uh, definitely. But I just, I think he's that good of a regular season player. And again, when I go through the, the other teams, I mean, Luke is a good pick. I was thinking maybe a long shot like Jamal Murray. I just love the way he ended last year. Again, Anthony Davis. I mean, I, I could see it, but he, he's got LeBron to work with the Clippers. You got Kawhi and Paul George there. 76ers and B maybe, but I don't know if I trust him to stay healthy for that long a period of time. I don't know if I trust that they won't have James Harden within a couple of weeks. That too. Because um, he is trying to force his way out, throwing balls at a rookie in practice. And yeah, he's going to be gone. He, uh, or he they're just going to make him sit the whole year, which I don't think is going to happen. They're just going to waste possible return that they could get for him. So they're going to trade him. Right. Um, I go chalk. I, I went with Luca. It's the okay. chalk pick, but um, 
Tatum was I, another one I was considering. I was looking at Tatum. I was between Tatum and Luca. I don't think Giannis because of voter fatigue. Those other guys, for the same reasons you mentioned, just the teammates cancel them out. Luca probably has what it takes to get the Mavericks uh, to a middle seed, maybe four or five. And he's who knows how long he's not going to have Porzingis for because of the injury Porzingis had last year. So it seems like for the majority of this season, Luca will be doing it by himself. So he won't have that teammate to cancel out. And even if Porzingis is there, Porzingis is not the Kyrie to KD sidekick. He's not uh, the Anthony Davis to LeBron. He's not the uh, the Paul George to the Kawhi. Like he is not that caliber of a second fiddle where it takes so much away from Luca. He's a great player. He's an all-star, but he's not at the level of Kyrie, of LeBron, of, of all those guys who could cancel out their teammates' MVP hopes. So I think Luca, uh, again, it, it was surprising to see that he was the favorite, which already set off the alarms for me that I want to pick him. Um, and then on top of that, just situationally, he, he gets a team into a middle seed. Porzingis is out most of the year. The guy almost averaged a triple-double last year, mm-hmm. and he's going to even have to do more this year without Porzingis. It wouldn't surprise me if he does average a triple-double. And if you average a triple-double, you're probably going to win the MVP. Russell he's, Westbrook averaged it a couple of times and didn't win it, but he won it the very first time he did. So at least the first time you average triple-double, you're probably winning the MVP. Yeah, Luke is phenomenal. Um, as for the other awards, Coach of the Year, Rookie of the Year, Most Improved Player, I like Quinn Snyder of the Jazz. I think they have a 3-4 seed. They just re-signed Rudy Gobert. They still have Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley. Um, I think, you know, I'm, you're obviously looking for a team that you think will – overproduce on expectations um and i just i look at utah as as a team that maybe could get up there uh monty williams and phoenix could be another guy but the way they closed in the bubble i think might hurt him a little bit scott brooks on the wizards if they can have a nice year and finish fourth or fifth in the east you know might surprise some people Doc Rivers, if he really turns the Sixers into this team that we've expected them to be the last two, three years, he might have a crack at it. I went Quinn Snyder. Rookie of the year, I mean, you know, maybe Obi Toppin, Denny Advia in Washington uh, could be interesting, Wiseman in um, in Golden State. But at the end of the day, I came back to LaMelo Ball. Yeah. I've seen some of his highlights in, uh, in preseason. The kid's a stud. And – being in Charlotte, I mean, he's already the guy on that yeah. team. Like, I know they signed Gordon Hayward all that money, but it doesn't take a basketball guru to see that, like, LaMelo Ball is going to run that team. So, especially if they make the playoffs, I-, I don't see how this award isn't his. And then most improved player, I went Michael Porter Jr. I, I really like some of his flashes in summer league. I think with Jeremy Grant gone from Denver, he's going to get even more opportunity playing with Murray and Jokic and so much of the focus on those two. And with the way Porter can shoot the ball and how good of an offensive player he is, I can see him averaging 18, 19, 20, even maybe points a game. And uh, I think he'll win most improved player. Coach of the year. I was between a couple of guys. You mentioned a couple of them. Um, I ended up actually settling on Steve Nash because whenever, whenever you get that kind of high profile of a hire where it was kind of out of the blue and it's a, big time former player, there's going to be a lot of eyes on that situation. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are starting to kind of realize that maybe Kyrie isn't the easiest to deal with. So if he comes in as a rookie head coach and has them clicking on all cylinders 
and he is as much of a um, spiritual guide, I guess the best way to put it, kind of like Phil Jackson was when we were watching The Last Dance. If he is as much of that guide to those players as he is a head coach X's and O's wise, and if this team is the number one seed and they're just blowing teams out and they're far and away the best team in the East, as a, again, as a rookie head coach, I think with all the eyes on that situation, he will have the voters kind of swayed his way, even if a guy like Imani Williams has a team that last year wasn't so great, has them as a six seed this year. That's a great job. I just think the it's such a high-profile gig right now for Nash as a rookie head coach that if he does it, he is a top seed, he'll get the award. Rookie of the year, easy decision for me with LaMelo. Uh, I love the fact that he has played professional ball overseas in a year that there was really no training camp or preseason. It's going to hurt the other rookies. It won't hurt him because he's played against these grown men already. And then most improved, I went DeAndre Ayton. I think with Chris Paul in the mix, that really helps him out out there in the desert. Mm. And uh, what am I missing? No, that's it. Those are the three. Yeah, <laughs> I was those like, are the three. So um, you're good. I was thinking of Michael Porter Jr. as well. I was. They're actually the same odds. They were both plus sixteen hundred for most oh, improved, okay. but I went with I went with Ayton. Nice. All right. So that's NBA talk. Uh, my trivia question is NBA related. So I'll give you that a little later on. Before we get to that, though, we got to do best bets as always. Our five plays of the week, which were some poopy last week. Uh, <laughs> we I'm got now our first push. We got yeah, our we did. Push. So you're beating me I'm by uh, of you. <laughs> by the push. 36, 40 and one. And I am 36 and 41. We got a nice little NFC East battle going between. We, we both and had I. some some like close hook games this past week. You Barely got the Panthers your only win by the Panthers, and I barely – I somehow missed the Seahawks minus five and a half after Washington looked horrible in the first mm. half. They somehow came back to lose by five, and I lost by the hook. So, I, hey, my what can I say about my number one? I'm not even mad. Like, that was imp- – <laughs> I was actually more impressed than mad that the Jets won than, than the Rams not covering my 17 and a half. If you would have had – I was saying you, last week – the Jets couldn't score more than 10. The Rams would get at least 28. And that was, I was sticking to that. And hey, the Rams laid an egg. What can I say? If you would have had Jets Bengals money line parlay, Joe, I just would have handed trivia to you. Oh, I would yeah. have bought you Waffle House every week for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. That would have been impressive. Um, it's funny, the Bengals Steelers game, I told my buddy I liked the first half under. I thought it'd be 17 nothing Steelers. Turned out to be 17 nothing Bengals. So it, it hit, worked. it was 17 nothing, just the wrong teams. Joe, you're number five this week. Who you like? Uh, my number five this week, I am going with one of the – because we got games on Christmas. Mm. We got one game on Christmas. We got Viking Saints. Mm-hmm. And we got a triple header Saturday. Mm-hmm. I like one of the Saturday games. I like the Cardinals minus five against the Niners. Um, I don't know who's playing for the Niners. I mean, they they thought about maybe Josh Johnson at quarterback. Uh, they signed Josh Rosen off the Bucks practice squad. They're going with C.J. Beathard. Uh, who knows who's available at running back? Who knows who's available at receiver? The Cardinals – Need to win to, to keep their playoff hopes alive. The number's not very scary at five. I'll, I'll go with the Cardinals. Mullins is just, he's awful. Yeah. Uh, my number five, you mentioned we got the game on Christmas. That's the one I'm going to. Here's the stat that you're going to want to take with you and everybody listening to this. When Mike Zimmer is an underdog as a head coach, the under hits 70% of the time. Saints-Vikings under 52. Saints defense, fantastic. And... Although Drew Brees found his rhythm in the second half against the Chiefs, you could obviously see the rust in most of that game. Minnesota, we all know when Kirk Cousins has pressure on him, he's just he's not the same guy. They'll want to run Dalvin Cook. The Saints run defense is excellent. 
I'm surprised the number is this high, which worries me a little bit. The Vikings have been playing some high-scoring games, though, the past couple games. But I think short week, Christmas, Zimmer, 70% as an underdog with the under. I like Saints-Vikings under 52. All right, number four. I got to go back to it. <laughs> the Browns minus nine and a half against the Jets. Um, it was a one game, one off, I think. The Browns, after seeing what happened with the Steelers on Monday night, and after seeing what the Jets did last week, they know they cannot take this lightly because we just saw two double-digit dogs win last week. And the Browns have a chance, PJ. It's crazy to say, but they've got a chance. If the Steelers lose to the Colts, the Browns have a chance to win the division in week 17 against the Steelers. Uh, so I will, I will go with this, the Browns minus nine and a half. They're not going to fall into that trap that the Steelers did against the Bengals and that the Rams did against the Jets. And they just won a great game, a great performance from them against the Giants on Sunday night in MetLife Stadium. Familiarity, stay in there, do it again this week. Uh, Stefanski has to win coach of the year, doesn't he? I mean, it's him or uh, Flores, but if the probably. Browns make, if the Browns win the division, I mean, I don't see how he yeah. doesn't win it. If they're both wild cards, I might say Flores just because knowing the situation, the Dolphins kind of have to win out. Otherwise yeah. they'd have to get some help from the Ravens that they're probably not going to get. Right. Uh, but if the Browns win the division, I'd go with Stefanski. It's between those two though. My number four, I love them plus the number, but I think this is going to be your outright upset of the week. The Atlanta Falcons plus 10 and a half against the Chiefs. Chiefs have not covered a spread in their last six games. When you're this good of a team, you just this time of the year, you know, you put up some points, you relax. Mahomes gets the ball in the last drive of the game and he seals it for you. That's just what it is. It's what they've been doing. The Chiefs, though, against the NFC South this season. They've beaten the Panthers by two. They've beaten the Bucks by three. They've beaten the Saints by three. All three of their games against the NFC South have been close. We know the Falcons are obviously playing much better football um, under Raheem Morris. I think this is a great letdown spot for the Chiefs. One o'clock kick on a Sunday. You just saw what happened to the Steelers. You're thinking we just won one of these final two games. We have the number one seed. Easy money. Love the Falcons plus 10 and a half. I'd even sprinkle a little bit on the money line, but that's my number four. All right. Uh, number three for me, touched on it a minute ago, as far as the Browns having a chance, they're not going to have a chance because <laughs> the Steelers outright as a dog, taking the money line plus 110, um, outright as a dog, Steelers beat the Colts this week. This is my last chance, or this is my last time that I'm giving the Steelers a chance because, all right, the Ravens game, there was an excuse. The game got pushed back and pushed back and pushed back, and it was a Wednesday afternoon. Then you had a quick turnaround in a Monday afternoon game against Washington, who's very solid and going to be a tough out in the playoffs if Alex wins as a quarterback. There's an excuse for that. And then you go on the road against probably the fourth best team in football in the Bills. There's an excuse. The Bengals game was the game everybody was looking at for the Steelers to get back on track. Bad opponent in division. They beat the crap out of them the first time they played. This was their chance to get right use it as a springboard and then go forward this is now the fork in the road for the Steelers if they don't win this game they will not win another game if they don't win this game they will lose to the Browns in week 17 they will lose in the first round of the playoffs this is their last chance because if they win this game they could also rest their guys in week 17 because two versus three seed won't really matter and they haven't had a bye this year all year because of the early season scheduling change they haven't had a bye so they either win this game, rest their guys week 17, and win in the first round, or they lose this game, they lose week 17, they lose the first round. 
fork in the road. Mike Tomlin, I think, gets them ready to go. Um, I don't like their chances anymore of making a playoff run beyond the first round, but uh, I do think they get back on track and win this game. And this is just a game that the Steelers win. Come on, PJ. You know, like looking back at the past, this is the kind of game that they actually get up for and win and a, a matchup that they they pull it out. They, however they do it, they're the Steelers and they do it. Like this is, you oh. know, this is a spot for the Steelers. They're on my board. Don't you worry. Okay. Uh, they're not <laughs> on my board quite yet though, because my number three is the Tennessee Titans plus three and a half at green Bay. We know the formula to group to beat green Bay is a great running back, a great running game. Tennessee is one of the best road teams in the NFL Sunday night football Ryan Tannehill, people don't realize, since the guy's taken over quarterback, the numbers he's putting up are, are simply incredible. That offense is tremendous. Um, and the fact that it's three and a half, and this could easily be a field goal game, I absolutely love it. There's no familiarity with these teams, obviously. They play once every four years. The Packers, they hear about Derrick Henry, but until you face it, uh, it's, it's just he's a different animal. They obviously struggle to stop Dalvin Cook. I don't see how they'd be able to stop Derrick Henry as long as it's just not crazy snowing. But even if it is, it favors the Titans because of how they can run the football. Um, but th- it just hurts their play action game. So hopefully there's no snow. If there's not, I absolutely love the pick. Um, Titans plus three and a half against Green Bay. So this is where I thought about going with a college game. And it's the one that I mentioned earlier. That I like Buffalo minus four and a half. I haven't seen official word though on Jarrett Patterson. So I'm staying away from it now. That game's on Christmas Day. Probably should get official word on Christmas Eve. Just keep that in your mind as a I bonus I thought play. I saw that he was planning on playing. Okay, so keep it in your mind as a bonus play. Yes. Throw it out there, but I'm not putting it in my top five. Number two, I'm doing just what I did at number three. I'm picking a money line dog uh, that I think is in a spot to win this week. The Rams at the Seahawks. I like the Rams to win outright as a dog. They dominated the Seahawks the first time they played this year. I still think they are the most complete team in the NFC. They laid an all-time egg against the Jets. All-time egg against the Jets was laid by the Rams. Horrible, 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 horrible. But that one game doesn't change who they are. I think, if anything, it refocuses them. It was a great slap-in-the-face wake-up call. Uh, That game was squarely on the shoulders of Sean McVay calling a horrible game. So I think he bounces back. Their strengths play right into the Seahawks' weaknesses. I don't think the Seahawks can stop the Rams. I think the Rams certainly can get pressure on Wilson and stop the Seahawks. Jalen Ramsey shut down DK Metcalf that first time. The Seahawks are just such a ba- – I mean, excuse me, the Rams are such a bad matchup for the Seahawks. They check every box as far as the matchup goes, and people are going to love the Seahawks, I think, coming off of the Rams, losing to the Jets, and – this team, do not forget about them. Do not let that one game characterize who they are. They are, and I'm saying this, including the Saints, they are the most complete team in the NFC, the Rams. Joe, I loved my number two pick and my number one pick, but we both have the same teams. Ah. Pitts, Pittsburgh's my number two. The Rams are my number one. All right. For everything <laughs> you just said. I will, though, take the point and a half in both games, because especially the Rams game, because I remember – a couple of years ago, there was a Thursday night game when Zerloin missed a kick at the end of the game, and the Seahawks ended up winning by one. And I was on Seattle minus one and a half, and they only won by one, so I didn't win. So from there on, I always said if okay. it's ever one and a half, I'm <laughs> always just taking the point or betting it money line if I'm on the favorite. 
Pittsburgh, though, look, like you said, this is just they have to win this game. And I think they're actually a great matchup with the Colts because Phillip Rivers is the least mobile quarterback in the NFL. They're going to dial up pressures. They're going to slow down that running game. And have you heard one good thing come out of the media from the Steelers this week? Everybody thinks Big Ben's done. Everybody thinks the Steelers are done. They can't run the ball. They're tired. Their receivers can't catch. Their offense isn't doing anything. Their defense can't stop the run. Everything is talking about how bad the Steelers are. I promise you Juju won't be dancing on the logo this week. They're going to be all business. Like you said, they want to win this game. They do not want to play Cleveland for the division week 17. This is their Super Bowl because if they win this game, they get that much-needed rest that they can get for week 17 going mm-hmm. to the playoffs. Pittsburgh wins. And then the Rams, number one, as soon as they lost to the Jets, and I looked at who was next on the schedule, I'm like, the Rams might be one of the best bets of the year because, like you said, they always play Seattle well, coming off a loss like that. And this game's for the division. The Rams need to win this game to win the division. Seattle needs it too. But Seattle's kind of been the same team over the last four weeks. The defense has totally been great, and the offense is kind of sputtering a little bit. And that's the thing here. That's the mirage with the Seahawks that I warned about two or three weeks ago. The defense looks great. Look who they've played. They played the Giants. They played the Jets. They played Washington. They haven't played a legit team in a little bit now. So that's why their defense looks good. And when they come out against this Rams offense – which, again, is really good, not what we saw against the Jets, which was just poo-poo, um, that's going to light up the Seahawks and be a shock for the system. Right. And, uh, you, I mean, Sean McVay dominates the Cardinals, and he dominates the Seahawks. He's still trying to figure out Shanahan and the Niners, yeah. <laughs> but Seattle, he's got their number. Rams, my best bet. Steelers, number two. Love them both. All right. So my number one, again, I didn't really want to do anything college because we don't necessarily know who is, who isn't playing. Right. Um, otherwise, Buffalo, love Buffalo, minus four and a half if Jarrett Patterson I love played. Marshall, actually. So we'll really? see what I, I love Marshall, yeah. <laughs> it all depends for me on, on Jarrett Patterson. Yeah. Um, and again, he might play, but he might be limited because he was wearing a bulky brace. He hurt the knee against Ball State. It seemed like a, a dirty play. The defender on Ball State twisted him on the, at the bottom of a pile. Mm. But my number one pick, I stuck with him last week. You went the other way. This Dolphins team is legit, PJ. Uh, I like the Dolphins minus two and a half is what I'm looking at right now against the Raiders. Uh, the Raiders, they can't stop anybody. Uh, Mariota coming in gave them a nice little spark. But I think this Dolphins team defensively shuts down the Raiders and they'll put up however many points they need. We're seeing it. They, they're they not a very, very potent offense quite yet. They have been missing Devontae Parker. They were missing Mike Kosicki. They haven't had a steady running back. Salvin Ahmed, though, has been a revelation for them. Um they haven't had all the pieces together on offense, but they are lights out on the defensive side of the ball. And the Raiders have just been sputtering. I mean, their last five games, their only win is against the Jets on that Greg Williams blitz eight with no time on the clock. So if not for that, they're on a, I think it's a five game losing skid. So give me the Dolphins minus two and a half. It's on the road, but again, I don't really care about road home if there's no fans in the equation. So I'm still mad about that New England game. Stefan Gilmore didn't get hurt. I liked my chance. That was not changing. That oh, it was 100 no percent changing it. He no went way. down. It changed everything. They didn't have Devontae Parker or Jakeem Grant. They didn't have their top two receivers or their number one tight end. Stefan Gilmore was a non-factor in that game. He went down, changed everything. That's the story <laughs> I'll stick by. All right, Joe. Trivia. I'm up eleven and a half to ten and a half. Uh, I got an NBA question for you this week, like I said. 
what's going along with the MVP race and Giannis, who is looking for his third straight MVP title. There are only three players in the history of the league that have won three straight MVPs. Okay. Can you name those three? Uh, I'm trying to think back to watching the last dance. I don't know if Jordan actually did it, but I'm going to say Jordan. Jordan did not do it. He won okay. it twice, two separate times. Yeah. That's what I thought. Cause I remember there was that, that was one of those memes where he like used it as motivation for him in, in, the, <laughs> in the last dance. So, so I had to try it. I had to try it anyway. Um, three straight MVPs. Nobody's done it recently because the multi winners recently have been LeBron and Steph and none of them did it three in a row. Correct. So it's going, we're going back. We are. Um, anytime there's a question like this, I feel like I got to throw Wilt out there. Wilt is one of them. That is Wilt correct. Is one of them. On that note, I feel like I got to throw Kareem out there. Great guess, but no, not Kareem. He's right. also done it two times. Two, uh, maybe he's done it two times, three, three times, but he's All not right. done it three in a row. All right. 40 seconds left. I'm not going to get this because there's too many guys, and the odds of me guessing both of them right are very slim because uh, they all have, like, well-reasoned guesses as far as, like, their contemporary. You got 30 yeah. seconds left, and I'll tell you yeah. this much, is that they both played for the same team. So, like, that could make them Lakers, but at the same token, the Lakers kind of cancel each other out. And if Wilt wasn't – I mean, if uh, if Kareem wasn't one of them um, – mm. Ten seconds. All right, Jerry West and Magic Johnson. No, good guess. Uh, Larry Bird okay. and Bill Russell. Ah, okay, I should have got that, – that was, that was good. Larry Legend and Bill. I went Lakers. Right. I should have got – I was – I was, you know what? I was between going Lakers and Celtics, and I was like, Lakers got a better history, so I'll go Lakers with those two guys. But uh, all right, good question, good question. Thank you. I went NFL playoffs, getting down to crunch time in Week 17. In the last five years, I want you to give me seven of the ten one seeds. Oof. Because I know you like, I know you're good with. You could recall every yeah. bracket matchup of the NCAA tournament. I feel like you're kind of the same way with the NFL. Yeah, I want you to give me. I want you to give me seven of the last ten one seeds. You got to get the year correct too, not just teams here. Sure, you got to get the. You got to match the leagues to the year. All right, last year was Ravens 49ers. Correct. The year before was um, so who was the Super Bowl? It was Patriots and Rams. The Saints were the one in 2018. Correct. And the one was uh was Kansas City. Correct. Okay, and then the year before, who was before Rams and Patriots? It was, uh, oof, was it the Patriots again? It wasn't Pittsburgh, it wasn't Kansas City. It must have been the Patriots again. And 45 then, down, 45 to go. Who did they play? Uh, oh, man, I can't think of the Super Bowls. All right, let's see. Seattle was a one seed in – I'll go uh, Seattle and New England 20 uh, – what was that? 2015? Both of those are incorrect, so two strikes. So now you got 20 seconds left and one strike to work with. Oh, I can't think of the Super Bowl before Rams-Patriots. Oh, it's going to kill me. You've got uh, four of them so far. You got to get three more. You got 
10 seconds. Oh, it was uh, Eagles and, uh, and Patriots. That's good, but you still got one more at six uh, out of seven, and that's time. No. <laughs> if you would have thought of that Super Bowl quicker, you would have had it because uh, that Super Bowl was one seed versus one seed. Nick Foles. Um, 2016 was Patriots-Cowboys. Oh, yeah. And 2015 was, again, where the number one seeds also just met in the Super Bowl. 2015 was Broncos Panthers, which is insane. I was thinking, I feel like Peyton Manning has been retired for a decade and he just won that Super Bowl five years ago. That's crazy. I was thinking that game, but I couldn't remember. I thought the Seahawks and Patriots were after that. I I didn't realize they were before that because were they 2014 Patriots Seahawks? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes, I thought Broncos. No, no, wait, I'm sorry. They were Broncos Panthers was 2015. Um, oh, were the, the Patriots not the one two seed? Two years before. Uh, no, that the, the year that the Broncos made the Super Bowl, the Broncos were the one seed. The year of Malcolm Butler's interception, were the Patriots and Seahawks both one seeds? Uh, that was I think 2013, they were. I think, right? Was that long ago? Because cause the, the year before the... You're right. I was a freshman the, yeah, the, at Bama. Cause the, You're right. It was the year no, before... No, 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 no. I'm sorry, Panthers. I'm sorry. Broncos-Seahawks was 2013. Because the Seahawks beat the crap out of the Broncos, and the Seahawks were going for two in a row the following year, and lost to the Patriots on the Malcolm Butler, and then it was Broncos Panthers the following year. You're right. It was Ravens 49ers. It was Broncos Seahawks. It was Seahawks Patriots, and then it was Broncos, Broncos Panthers. Panthers. That's exactly yeah. what it was. You're right. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Damn, I should have just kept guessing <laughs> the Patriots. I should have just gone like got 20. It mostly right. I know. <laughs> God, they were the one seed all those years, and now they're not making the playoffs. Oh, it's so beautiful. Well <laughs> oh, done, Joe. That was amazing. good. I can't feel it, PJ. This is my flu game. <laughs> well, you were impressive. I mean, at the beginning, you came on here, and I'm like, oh, boy, this is going to be a struggle. But you really, I mean, came together strong. That was impressive. I can't feel the upper left quadrant of my lip. So this is, that's good. Well, you know, don't do any more talking the rest of the day. That's going to be very hard for me, but my girlfriend and my parents will probably like that. So, uh, you know, so, uh, yeah, enjoy, uh, Merry Christmas to you. Thank you. Merry Christmas to any of our Christmas celebrating listeners. Absolutely. And, uh, I mean, great Christmas day slate. We get NBA obviously, but then also there's a bowl game. There's NFL. So good. Looking All forward right. to it. We got a lot to look forward to. A lot of a lot of different sports presents wrapped on the tree, PJ. That's right. All right, Joe. <laughs> I'll uh I'll see you next week for episode thirty. Yes, sir. All no, right. the thirty-one, PJ. You got to count, my guy. This is thirty. This is thirty. This is thirty. Wow. <laughs> That's why I said when we started the episode, if you remember an hour ago, welcome to episode thirty. I tuned you out then in the beginning. <laughs> so I apologize. I knew you were going to talk about the Jets for five minutes. So I'm like, let me just watch this clock while he's talking <laughs> and make sure he's on top of it. Episode 31 next week. Wow. Episode 30. All right. Well, episode 31. I'll see you then next week. Yes, sir. All right.